Welcome to episode 502 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday the 13th. Oh, mm-hmm. scary. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Sayers and our producer, Justin Mason. What's going on? Mm-hmm. No scary. <laughs> it is kind of cool when it's Friday the 13th in October, though. I, I, I can appreciate that. I'm not going to do anything about it. You're not even going to uh, change your Twitter handle? No, sure not. <laughs> Paul's sc- scary. <laughs> Got him. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> B- Buno Saris. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, uh, Jason Mason. <laughs> like like oh, the guy dude. with the mask. God. I did all three of them. You guys, you're welcome. No, no problem. I'm, to- I'm totally going to change mine now. Boom. <laughs> it was like, I thought your name was Justin. No, it's, or how is this for scary? And they're like, okay, Justin, good one. <laughs> Super scary. <sighs> anyway, we got baseball to talk about. Uh, this timing couldn't have worked better. We, we had to move a day. Thankfully, by the way, for those that know, Justin had to evacuate for the fires. All is good. Justin's back at home. And Justin, what'd you say? You said there were some problems about Potential looters, uh, which is absolutely disgusting um, that people would go like looting houses to take advantage of this. But what what were your hopes if anyone came to your house? Yeah, I mean, there have been people coming in from out of town, getting arrested for looting, knocking on doors, pretending to be policemen or, or PG&E, try to get them out of their house in order to steal stuff. Uh, we weren't home, and thankfully our house is a disaster enough because we don't clean it. That we we just assumed if anybody came in, they're like, "Up, oh, this one's already been hit." <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving on. <laughs> well, so yeah, we we wanted to make sure you were home safe, sound, and and that's great that you are. Uh, and it the, the the silver lining to that was that uh, the the division series wrapped up, and now we have two LCS. A series ready to talk about i guess that's league championship series series what i just did there like an atm number um or wait no pin number that's the one that's wrong or an atm machine anyway we have yankees astros and cubs dodgers can we look back for just one second of course of course we yesterday can, that game say what are your thoughts on the uh on the ds is 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 that game was maybe one of the most bizarre Games, period, or postseason oh. games at least that I've ever seen. Certainly, certainly. Um, there was a moment so when so much happened. There was a moment that moment uh, that happened to Max Scherzer, where a guy got on on a drop third strike, and then another guy got on on a catcher's interference, <laughs> and what, was there like four really bizarre things in a row? Well, yeah, and then. I mean, there, there there was the 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 yeah the super drop third strike. I mean, you have the the replay. You have there was two catchers interference, weren't there, from Weeders? Uh, then, well, somebody got somebody got hit on a pitch that they kind of swung at. Exactly, John Jay did. Yeah, but I think he, I don't think he'd gone all around all the way around. I actually agreed with that one. There was just a lot of weird stuff, and the game like took nine hours, and it, it felt like Here it is. like an epic movie with these different acts in it. In- intentional walk, passed ball, strikeout, catcher's interference, and hit by pitch. <laughs> and those things, sweet sequence. Those things have happened. Have ne- that has never happened before in all of Baseball References. Those things have not happened in that order in all of Baseball References. Two point seven three million half innings. 
Small sample, though. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, yeah. 73 mil. I mean, guaranteed come on. to happen again if we just keep playing for another 100 years. But Exactly. I mean, Scherzer didn't, didn't look like he had terrible stuff. It just, uh, no. you know. The only thing I saw a little little overamped, which he yeah he can do sometimes, but n- nothing that suggested to me that he's about to give up four, only two earned. Um, you know, when they brought him in, I was like, oh boy, here we go. This is it's going to be some signature relief effort from Scherzer. He's going to go three innings and cover for this weak bullpen and. Oh, and I and I know what made the drop third uh, the the reaching on the drop thirds calls uh, drop strike three even weirder was that Baez swung around and in his follow through he hit Weeters in the he head. Hit, yeah, he hit Weeters, and that's what everyone. Was and by like, the rule, it should have been a dead ball, and he should have been out. Um, there's a lot of discussion on that. Um, but you're not allowed to on our front page. Yeah, yeah. Craig Edwards did a piece where you're not allowed to actually. You're not allowed to challenge that. So as soon as they made a ruling, there was nothing to go back on. And then you know, later, check. the 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 back pick by Contreras with the Lobatone foot pop off. I mean, I, I, I cannot hate that more than I currently yeah. do. And you 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 whiny 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 sad little Cubs fans. I made it clear when I tweeted out. There was nothing against you. If the Tigers did it, I would be glad that it favored them because it's a rule on the books. Joe Madden has to challenge it. I'm, I'm, I'm I was saying nothing about what the Cubs did. I was yeah. saying the rule is completely changed. And maybe not even just like the rule itself, because the rule is that you have to stay on the bag, and that was created so that you can't just hit the bag and run through it or slide through it at second. Yeah. I mean, I understand that's baseball, and that's been baseball forever. But it's kind of, to me, the analogy, somebody was saying the analogy is, uh, well, people have been breaking laws for years and it was easier before they had fingerprints and DNA. What's and I'm like, uh, no, this is more, you know, this is a weird analogy. I'm not sure it's 100%, but this is the, what I was thinking. It's a little bit like, should we change the, should we change the aspects of our children because we can? And the reason oh, I bring that up is because now we have the technology where we can actually Say I traits. Want, yeah, I want a blue-eyed kid, or I want this, or I want that. Right? Well, Scherzer's parents couldn't even decide. They wanted a blue <laughs> and a brown-eyed kid, so they're tweaking a little bit too much. And well, I want them to have like, two should left we, hands. Should we? <laughs> so he'll definitely be left-handed. Exactly. Uh, so <laughs> the uh, the the point is, my what I'm saying is, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. So this is clearly an unintended consequence of review. Yeah. This is not like. like the, and 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 again, this is the the sensitive, twerpy little Cubs fans. Like maybe you should learn how to slide better. <laughs> now he knows what he has to work on in spring training. Listen, you want to get on Lobatone for getting a little bit too far off with the back pick master back there? I'm all I'm all for that. That's completely fine. But you're asking him to break the laws of physics when he smacks his foot on the bag. It's going it, it it's going yeah. to pop up. And like, we and like in baseball, we were always taught the pop up slide a second. Exactly. And the pop up slide, I'm sure. For hundreds of years, people were off the bag for a millisecond. Of course. You know, of course. And, and that, now all of a sudden we're going to start calling that. It's it's almost like, and, and somebody else brought up, if we're going to do the law analogy, it's more like we've been living a, like a certain a way of the law. You know, like we've been living um, a sort of common law where like there's like a certain way that we've decided the law was. We lived that way for a hundred years. 
and and this is actually almost like a new law. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in any case, it's new and it doesn't feel great. I mean, it's like we're sitting all around, like trying to decide if there's a sliver of air there. Yeah. And that's terrible. And the player is want... not trying to advance. I mean, I think Dave Cameron that's wrote Dave's about it. Big point. Yep. And he was like, the player's not trying to advance. He's gotten to the bag. The point was, did he get to the bag before the throw? That's and he that's did. kind of and that was the kind of the question he did there. And at second, if you do a pop up side, you got there first. You know, if you're if you're like off it for a millisecond, it's um, yeah. And what are we selecting for? He called it twister. Like if we are going to go that he should slide better, then we're really going to spend a lot of time having our guys, you know, work on not ever like leaving the bag. You know, won't that make them slower to the bag? All this stuff. Anyway, and I don't I don't want it to become at, at watching it sucks. Right. Yeah, it, it's a nightmare. Like. Yeah. You know, I, I I watch football. I consider myself at least something of a football fan that that has waned in in recent years. But I play fantasy football. This is not like an anti-football screed. Like I'm above it. But football is really boring to watch a, a full game. Um, being in California, didn't have red zone, so we're watching full games. It's remarkably boring. There's way too many replays and commercials. It is a boring experience. It's so weird even to me. Your favorite like, team is playing. The way I describe it to someone, why I'm not a fan, is that basically what happens is you get about 10 seconds of action, and then you get two minutes of trying to decide what just happened. Exactly. And, and then, it's, then it's you get another bad. 10 seconds of action. And and this this kind of reminds me of like the catch stuff. It's like, did he catch the, catch? the damn did ball? Did he do a football move? Yeah, and like uh, in that one, I'm a little sensitive on it as a Lions fan because. So much of it has swirled around the Lions and, and, and Calvin Johnson specifically. But, you know, they've turned that into a mockery. It's absolutely ridiculous. And again, super boring to watch. Baseball, listen, you've already got a pace issue, right? We all can admit that. I'm, I'm as big a baseball fan as there is. There's a pace issue. The pace doesn't necessarily bother me, but the pace is a problem. And there are certain games where it is an absolute issue. Now, if you've got 17 runs and 23 hits like yesterday – I'm a little less concerned with pace, but when it's like a standard kind of two to one game and there's 14 pitchers and it's four, four hours long, that's a problem because there's like all these stupid reviews. So I just don't think that this is what they were looking for when they implemented review to find the slivers of air, as you called it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the guy pops off the back. And that's another thing. The spirit of review, like the spirit of review was we have a big call. We all know that the umpires blew it. We all saw it. And the game goes on um, because they don't know that they blew it. And, exactly. and something happens that changes the game. Well, they can't if we had all been watching that game last night, I doubt there would have been a single person who would have said he didn't. He was off the bag. No I way. Even Madden challenged it. Either someone in his ear said, he, you know, I think there might have been air there. Or Madden just challenged it because he's like, you know what? It's late in the game. I got a challenge. That's why. It's like, an inst- it's like a why not. Because if I, if, if I catch it. Great. Uh, I, I'm amazing. And, and if it doesn't happen, what's the worst that's going to come of that? Not having a challenge? I don't even know how many challenges they get. I feel like everything can be challenged. I've never been in a situation watching a game where a manager was out of a challenge. So who the hell cares? Anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, Cubs win. Nationals still haven't won a series. I mean, to go up 4-1 and then just Washington Capitals the hell out of it, it was... I mean, it is something else. DC fans, I, whew, I, I feel for you. 
I think even Cleveland fans feel for you right now. <laughs> and they deal with the Browns. Like, that That was... They've got to be in the new Cubs. I mean, they haven't won. And, you know, even going back to Expos and... They can't win a series. Yeah. <laughs> with these great teams. Like, I've compared them to the Tigers because of their, their, their makeup. But at least the Tigers got to the World Series. You know, yeah. at least they, they won plenty of series. It, it's it's rough there. I, I expect a lot of changes uh, in Washington this offseason. Let's let's look forward. Let's talk about these two LCS. Let's talk about the one that starts today. Uh, the Yankees taking on Houston. That will start in Houston. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka versus Dallas Keuchel for game one. You know, what are your general thoughts on the series here? I have to think that the fact that the Astros got to rest is in their favor. I As mean, a Tigers fan, I say doubtful. No. Well, there's the, the whole, did they get cold? But, you know, what we've seen is you know, Verlander coming in 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 the you know to 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 shut the the coffin. You know, shirts are coming in. So we've seen all these guys starters pitch on like one or two days rest for a couple innings, which is interesting because I think it's a trend, and it's one we haven't seen before. I mean, it's sort of the Bumgarner thing. I love it. However, like you know, taking the starter out in the fourth inning that's something that took a long time to get to, and there was a lot of data behind it. And we finally did it, and that was a trend, and that makes sense. This new one of taking bringing a starter in off of fewer days rest and bringing him out of the bullpen is something that doesn't have as much data behind it, and doesn't um, and doesn't ha- and didn't take as long to get to, and feels kind of like the hot thing to do right now. And like we don't know necessarily how bad a starter is on one or two days rest for two innings. And we don't know how bad a starter is when you take him out of, you know, his routine necessarily. So, you know, those things could be detrimental. I don't think the Verlander, you know, Verlander didn't pitch that awesomely. Scherzer, you know, did okay, but he did, you know, the results weren't great. So it's an interesting thing. In any case, I think, you know, Keuchel with his injury and Verlander with the the heavy pitching to give them a few days to rest, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone said, don't the starting pitching assignments favor the Yankees? And I said, well, you know, the first one is Keiko Gray, which I think no, as Tanaka. much as I like Gray, I think you still go with Tanaka. Keiko. It's Tanaka. The first, one, first one's Tanaka. Oh, that's yeah. right. They, they shuffled it. It's Tanaka. I still take, I take, I take Keiko over Tanaka. And then Severino, uh, Verlander. And then undecided, who I like this year. I really like undecided against Sabathia. Um, and uh, so yeah, because that could be four. McCullers, because McCullers been pitching better. Um, but in any case, uh, like Verlander Severino, you would have given Severino the the edge all year. No, I wouldn't have. Well, you like Verlander. Yeah, because he's amazing at baseball, dog. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I, I, honestly, I think both of these these first two games are razor close. I really don't see a lot of separation between Tanaka Keuchel uh, or Severino Verlander. Um, I see, I think I see some daylight Keuchel Tanaka. I don't know. It's Keuchel just seems like the floor is way higher. I mean Tanaka. Um, I don't you know. know Tanaka uh, Keuchel can get marked. Yeah, I guess he can. But Tanaka like, has these crazy splits, and well, at least it favors. Uh, oh yeah, I thought they were going to pitch him at home. Yeah, I thought I heard that. Well, I'm yeah. looking on ESPN right now, and it says he's pitching tonight. Well, um, right. The the gray one was early, and I think I heard today. I think I saw on Twitter that gray was was later. So I think that's that's been a recent change. In any case, I'm not sure that like home away splits. 
over three years. You know, especially because they changed. I think I, I don't think he was always good. Like, and it doesn't make sense that he's better at home for Tanaka because, because of, the, of his home run issue, short porch, and yeah, yeah. yeah like it, it seems weird that he's markedly better at home. So maybe they're saying, yeah, we agree with that, and we're just going to start him here. Where do you put Tanaka next year? Uh, I can tell you exactly where I put him because I put That's up right. twenty eighteen right. ranks. Let me get that. I put him like top thirty, I think, because I'm a sucker. Um, please hold. Put in some hold music. <laughs> where the hell is Tanaka? He is twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. Two spots behind Keiko. There you are. And two spots ahead of Sonny Gray. Two spots behind Keiko. That seems uh, relevant to what we're talking about right, right. now, right here. Right. Um, I, you know, but uh, it's so weird. I, uh, the thing that makes me so nervous about him, I mean, he didn't have a good year. No, he didn't. I mean, he and, and he's pitching in a way that's that's not normal. Like he's he's he, he's throwing like 15% fastballs, which is something I've been calling for and I love. Say that's, that's your dream. But like two homers per nine, almost like it's so bad. It's, it the seems homers. like and his slider's not that good, right? I mean, it's really when he's on, it's it's like what splitter fast uh, or splitter um, slider. I mean, it's really splitter splitter to be honest. But yeah, it's splitter <laughs> slider, and and then he throws a cement mixer sometimes. So I was gonna say those frisbees when they go up there. That's what that's the home run issue. It's either hanging hanging splitter or frisbees like and they just vacillate so much between good and bad from start to start inning to inning with with tanaka i think even um because he had a couple seven earned run outings in uh in september and he was pitching well uh definitely in the at toronto one but i think even in the at texas when he started off well and it just boom on a dime tanaka all of a sudden is, is giving up homers and that could be it's, that could be very problematic against Houston. I, I I'll, I'll hard, give you on the hard floor. To, piece yeah, but it's sure. it's still hard to ignore like 500 innings of a three like a three ERA basically. He can still. I mean, he's shown the brilliance this year. Even and yeah. he had uh, right after getting beat up by Toronto in Toronto, he shut them down for seven with 15 strikeouts on a three hitter. Um, you three know, seven seven sharp. ERA in the second half. He was very sharp against Cleveland in his start in the DS, Tanaka was. So, you know, it's not like he can't go out there and dominate. I agree with you, though, that the Keiko has the higher floor here. Do we talk um, about that? We talked about that Rob Arthur piece and, and um, uh, pitchers being hot and having good velocity. And uh, Keiko was one of the number one guys on there. That makes sense. So he's, he had a velocity boost late in the season. Uh, which may or may not be related maybe to uh, getting healthy. I mean, what was it? A neck? It was a neck or back thing? I'm not going to make the obvious joke after you said neck or back. Um, my, my neck and my back? Yeah, that song. That very vile song. Oh, I was uh, making a reference to What's that movie? The guy falls down in the... In the is it... Um, the guy falls down in, in the liquor store and he's like, Ah, my back! My neck and my back! Is Justin, do uh, you know what the hell Eno's talking about? <laughs> no, no, I think I, I, somebody else. I, I, I was going here. to, I was going to the song with you. I, I have no idea what Eno's talking about. Oh, I think he it's had, a Friday. He it's had Friday. right shoulder inflammation, by the way. 
to it's not Friday. get it. And Friday, he falls down in the store. He's trying to get money. from. He's trying to pretend that he's hurt. Oh, he's trying to act like he, he really got yeah. hurt. Yeah. My neck, my neck and my back. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Keichel, velocity boost, important for me because the dude throws 88. Yeah, yeah. So if he can throw 91, um, I'm interested. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go Astros in one, Astros in two, but the series goes to six or seven. Okay. Yeah, I have a really hard, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a really hard time discounting the Yankees team with that bullpen. Um, you know, they don't even have one of their one of their primary guys dominating right now with Batances still wobbly, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, they've got so many other options that – you know, if Tanaka doesn't have it, gives up two homers in the first three innings or something, bye. Like, they don't have to try to force it. And um, I don't know. I just, like, I'm, I'm picking Houston. I think Houston's going to win. But I just look at this uh, this Yankees team, and I feel like they're not going to go away easily. So I, I actually tend to agree with you that Houston's going to get out to a 2-0 lead. But, you know... The adage is a series doesn't start until the home team loses. So even if the Yankees w- lose those two and then they go home, as long as you keep keep uh, home field, then oh at God, the very end, you got a yeah. chance. And if they're and if they're out from behind Keuchel and Verlander, they could score like thirty runs in three games in New York. Exactly. You know, because so. we really don't know what the Astros are going to give beyond those two. Um, they're not loaded with reliable starters, and then they don't have an overwhelmingly dominant bullpen. This could be the series that really puts uh, Chris Davinsky on the national landscape. I, I think he was introduced to uh, fantasy players this year, as they as they you know he, he did well last year, but this year it was like now he was kind of a known entity, and he did his thing um, wobbly in the in the playoffs. I think he got beat up in one of the games, if I recall correctly. Yeah, the, the last game he gave up three runs on three hits. But I think this could be the series where Chris Davinsky's like the dude. Chris Davinsky and Chad Green coming out parties. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's I get mean, it. yeah, it's it's uh, it's headed that direction because I, I mean I do think this is going to go long just because there's a lot of bats and they're going to take these starters out early, and so you're going to see Musgrove. You got the one seamer. Yep. And what, uh, what, what, what can Musgrove do? Can can like um, actually I don't know the whole roster. I wonder where can I find that? Let me see. Warren. I wonder if Warren's gonna get any. Batances has Batances even pitched? Yeah, poorly. Oh really? Yeah, it's not been good. It's not been good. Is um. Oh God, why am I why am I blanking? Oh, oh stupid it. Francisco Liriano. Is he on the? Uh, oh yeah, on we'll the see some roster? of him. For sure. Could be, could be an interesting lefty for them. Throwback. I've always liked Liriano. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to go along, too. I'll say Astros in six. Um, I'm just really hoping for a great series. I think these two teams are set up to, to deliver a great series. We'll see if it happens, right? It's, it's always hard to predict sweeps in these. I know sometimes people do call for it. I always feel like they're being try hard. I know that's not really fair. Like if they really believe it, I'm like, no, you're just you're just trying to sound cool. I guess just because like whenever you look at a playoff series, it's hard to think that a team is going to get swept because if you made the playoffs and if you made the second round uh, into an LCS, you, yeah, you're some level of good. So you just 
don't really imagine a sweep. But what about uh, what about the NL one here? Dodgers Cubs. I mean, if there was a sweep, it would be like a well-rested juggernaut Dodgers team, just you know, thwarting the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, is there a pitching matchup that favors the Cubs? They're going no. into game one with Kershaw Lackey. <laughs> I mean, if they win that one, obviously anything can happen. If they win that one, I'm going to have a seriously arched eyebrow, and I'll change my opinion about the rest of the series. I'm going to have a stroke. Arch <laughs> eyebrow. I'm going to stroke out because that's insane. Oh, no, actually, I, I guess they, they're starting Quintana. They're starting Quintana. Okay. I forgot. But it was okay. it was going to be lackey, lackey. But Quintana pitched yesterday, so you know it can't be you know ace. It can't be like you know best Quintana. Yeah, but I agree with you. There's no there there is no matchup where they're favorite. You know, you saw you saw a, a perfect microcosm of what Arietta is right now with his last outing, where it's like he got the job done, but man, it was so laborious. And it's crazy because I know I bring the video game up a lot, but it relates perfectly to MLB the show. He is so difficult to pitch with. You're gonna run up pitch counts, but you can still get the outs. And he goes four innings, two hits, one unearned run, five walks, four strikeouts, and ninety pitches. Like that's that's Arietta. And like the Dodgers are gonna run him up. I mean look at the way they waited out Grinky. Yeah. Grinky does not have those issues. What are they gonna do to Arietta? And you know Hendricks kind of hit and miss. We'll see. We'll see what he's doing with his 85-86. Um, you know, had a thought, really good season. I had a thought for some research watching Hendricks, especially against Michael Taylor. Michael Taylor will swing at anything really. I mean, he's not Javi Baez, but he's not very disciplined. He still walks, but it's not. It's not necessarily because he knows what the zone is. So he. Um, it's interesting to put him up against Kyle Hendricks, who's a command guy. And you wonder if maybe free swingers are good to have in your lineup against a command guy. Because, say, command guy against, like, Avado, right? If he throws a really nice strike, um, you know, what's Votto going to do? If it's really borderline, Votto might take it because it's not take his it, pitch. Yeah. It's not his pitch, and it's you know, and he's got such a great sense of what his pitch is. Whereas Michael Taylor, that might be if it's a really well placed strike, that might be the best pitch he sees. And you know, a guy who has less discipline might swing at it just because, hey, that looks okay, my chance, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and and a command guy is not going to necessarily walk Votto. And so if you're not going to walk a lot of guys, then you need to swing at some of those borderline pitches. So it might be good to have the free swingers. It goes back to my idea that I've always had that I would rather have a lineup of mixed Vlad Guerreros and Adam Duns than a lineup of Adam Duns. Absolutely. I I, I completely agree with that. You know, as great as the patient guy is that can take the walk, wait for his pitch – going to have low batting average high strikeout but ma- major power no way would i want to line up full of that a mixed lineup is definitely the way to go um the, the way to go there so it's actually something that i think the cubs have if you think about it i mean they have schwarber and rizzo um and, and bryant and bryant you know, yeah to 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 on that point and then see this is interesting schwarber has a 102 wrc plus and javi baez was 96 and this is exactly what i'm talking about if you're gonna have guys that are basically league average at least have them be different you know have have a heavy bias and a kyle schwarber they're gonna do very different things for you kyle schwarber is gonna take a walk or hit a dinger 
you know, Baez might hit a dinger, but he's also, you know, might... but he can have a four for four game too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's in two seventy three. He's got he's got some good, yeah, uh, some ball, some yeah. big games there. Um, no, I I completely agree with you on that, and I love the way the lineup is. I, I don't think the lineup's getting as much credit as it deserves. I think watching the uh, the last couple games of this series uh, in detail because the first couple I was I was pretty occupied. I was having a better appreciation for this lineup. Uh, there's not a lot of dead spots, except for Jason Hayward. Oh my God! I, ne- mm. I never. But he made that big to catch to end that inning off. Oh, of it made it look Zimmerman so into the corner. He made it, it look so Weeders. easy. And Weeders thought for sure he did damage, and so and right I, after, and right after Worth like biffed that easy one. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like it looked like one of those tailing. Uh, maybe land just on on the line, bouncing the rattle in the corner for a double, and yeah. he made it look easy. And that was a perfect example of why Jason Hayward is not going anywhere in terms of the lineup, because you know he's 88 WRC plus, so he's not quite average, but he's so good defensively that you know you, you'll you'll take the bad bat, you you really will. Well, how do you see this uh, series turning out? Uh. I think the Dodgers just have a pitching um, uh, advantage. Uh, maybe this. Speaking about this lineup, like the Dodgers lineup is a little bit more homogenous. There's a lot more strikeout and walk to all of them, but at least they have Turner, who doesn't strike out, and uh, Chris Taylor, who's a little bit more like your Javi Baez type, I guess. Um, and uh, but you know, the average Dodger basically walks 10% of the time and strikes out 25% of the time. And that's uh, true. You know, that that could be interesting if it's homogenous and they run into, uh, you know, some sort of really uh, good command. Who's a good command guy? Maybe Hendricks is a buzzsaw for them. Maybe they have a real hard time with Hendricks because he's going to be around the zone and and um, and making it hard on them. But in any case, I, I, you know, Kershaw, Hill, Darvish. I mean, that's that's it. At some point, we'd have called those three aces. Maeda out of the bullpen, I've been liking too. Has a yeah. nice bridge. Brandon Morrow right. was a hundred. hundred. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, a lefty in the bullpen is probably their biggest question between Watson and Singrani. You know, but I don't they, know. They move Wood to the bullpen mostly, so exactly. So they so they do have Alex Wood, who by the way fell off big time. I didn't realize. Like he still ended up with the two seventy two ERA. But the strikeout rate, he ended up with fewer than a strikeout per inning. And lost velocity. Which really surprised me. I mean, through his first 15 starts, Alex Wood had 97 strikeouts and 80 and two-thirds. And he ended the season at 151 and 152 and a third. That really surprised me. Where did you put him? I put Alex Wood. He's another guy that I would put at the back end of the top 30 probably. but I put him 29th. So wow. that's kind of the back end of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hard to push him higher than that with all the injury history. I mean, and with the way I, he, I could see uh, him moving down, to be honest, because uh, there's some there's some interesting guys who, if we get a clear outlook as the uh, the off season goes, for example, like a Garrett Richards, and he goes in the spring going crazy, or you know, Lance McCullers has a big LCS and World Series or something, start inching those guys up. I, I could see Alex Wood going down. I don't think I go any lower than forty. I think I think I'm still taking a shot there uh, for Alex Wood. 
Also, his roles, I, I guess, still a little bit up in the air, though, too. I mean, he's not guaranteed to start next year, is he? I mean, anywhere, anybody past Kershaw, I don't know. Exactly. Because then we don't know if they're going to bring back Darvish. And then... I guess I guess you would say Hill uh, has his well, yeah, job. Yeah, that's true. But he it's, has a contract. Right. He's a thousand. <laughs> it's just one. not... Uh, not uh, but yeah, and I guess, yeah, they wouldn't put him in the bullpen. So I guess you could say Kershaw Hill, but then they have like eight more pitchers on the roster next year. I mean, yeah. McCarthy, Ryu, uh, Wood, uh, you know, I don't think Urias will be back that quickly, but Maeda. Brock um, Stewart lingering. Brock Stewart, like, you got to make a decision on that one, sort of shit or get off the pot. Oh. I said that word earlier. Very good. Kids? We're getting it's, loose here. Yeah. <laughs> well, with Stewart, I, what I mean is either he's next year, he's either a reliever the rest of his career or, you know, on another team as a starter or or on your team as a starter. Right. I mean, I, yeah, not too many guys relieve for two or three years and then become a starter. Yeah. That's like CJ Wilson is like the exception there. Right. So you, you, you got to make a move. I agree with you there. Uh, I think the Dodgers. I want something like seven just because I want more baseball, but I'm actually going to say the Dodgers in five. Suck it, Cubs fans. I would definitely say I definitely think this this one doesn't feel as uh, evenly matched. No, it doesn't. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we get two, two seven-game sets because that would be fun. That would just be exciting. Oh, All yeah, right, and you also know- I can't cover the beginning of the Dodgers series uh, for family reasons, uh, but I would cover game six and seven. So, Oh, see? Now that – is all the more reason. (laughs) Like I said on Twitter, if you don't have a rooting interest, you're just rooting for more games. Mm -hmm. And like Houston's local and Berlander's there. So I am, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for them, but in the end, I I just, I just want as much baseball as we can get. If we can get 14 games here, let's do it. If we can get 21 more games the rest of the year with a seven game world series as well, I'll be happy. Even if the stupid Yankees win. (laughs) All right, you know, let's move on to our uh, our who are you drafting first series. We got another host of players that are no longer in the playoffs, including some recently eliminated gents. And we're going to start with a guy we briefly talked about here just a moment ago, Michael A. Taylor, where the A is for F and A. Yeah, and I just started calling him that. I love that you put it. That I just started calling him F and A. It like it's great because it makes no sense. No, it makes zero sense, but it's perfect at the same time. <laughs> so I got FNA Taylor off of his great season and and showing out in the playoffs that's gonna boost his value a little bit versus Kevin Kiermeyer. Mm-hmm. I mean they they, they 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 belong perfectly together and they they belong in the discard pile um for me in the past for sure. Like I never would have looked at these guys. In the past, I would have said D first, good real life player, terrible plate discipline, has so many holes, is going to hit 220. I've been uh, a sucker for, for the Michael A. Taylor train for a while, and then this year wasn't really thinking about it, so of course he went off. <laughs> well, I think that the, I wrote a piece about like Paul DeJong, 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 DeJong. Anyway, that guy who plays shortstop for the Cardinals with a great um, first name. <laughs> and I and I wrote about how guys that had four or five to one strikeouts to walk ratios, like you know, five years ago there would be like two or three guys in the league like that, and, and then I, last year there were like fifteen to twenty. Oh my gosh! 
And, it's uh, just not the death sentence anymore. Well, I think it's because if you have like a 250 ISO, if you can hit, you know, 20 or 30 home runs while doing that, then people have are finding room for you. You know, it's funny, though, because given all that, Michael Taylor has been 20 or 17 percent worse than league average for his career with the bat. So he's still defense first. He's still projected to hit 240. Still has a 243 career batting average. He's a better uh, fantasy guy than he is even real life because because of that. Like he doesn't have a great triple slash, but the power speed for Taylor um, is what's going to carry him. And and even really for Kiermaier up until uh, this year when when his when his triple slash really improved, but he only played 98 games because of injury. Yeah, but see, I'm much more likely to like Kiermaier's strikeout rate for one. Well, of course, in terms of plate discipline, he's yeah, he's a little bit closer. Like I, I idolized when I first started playing. When I first started playing fantasy, I idolized Chipper Jones and and David Wright, and those were always my like my, my first year playing. I think those were my top two picks or something. I don't know. Not, if I, not bad so. models to obsess over in terms of. Uh, but I was like, you know, fantasy players walk 10 percent of the time, strike out 18 percent of the time, you know, hit 25 homers. You're my man. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm saying I've, I've evolved since then. And, you know, I've, I have made room for Kiermaier, Brandon Phillips types in my in my heart. Um, but I still have that bias. So I'm going to ask you now for the ADPs. Oh, that's actually a great question. I'm pulling them up right now. Justin Mason has put them up on the website. And he's been updating them regularly, right? You just updated them today, right, Justin? Uh, I'm actually in the process of updating them right now. Kiermaier, 129. Michael Taylor, 369 in only one draft so far. Oh, you did update them on the page. Excellent. Wow. So he's, at that point... I mean, I was just, I figured that Taylor was going to be uh, more expensive with hype. And I mean, maybe, you know, the postseason bump hasn't reached him yet. Um, I, I'm surprised that, uh, that Kiermaier hasn't been penalized more for his injuries now that Help, he's yeah. failed to, you know, hit 600 plate appearances ever in his career. Taylor went 19 homers, 17 stolen bases this year. He's had at least 14 stolen bases each of the last three years. Uh, back in 15, he also popped 14 homers, just seven homers last year, but it was only in 76 games as well. Like the power speed is there, and I'm going to give you the 162 game averages. I know that guys don't really play 162 games anymore, but just for reference, he's a 2020 guy over 162 games, yeah. 20 homers, 23 stolen bases. And there's no real, there's no real playing time problem for him because even if you know when Eaton comes back, it's they it can it's easily. Three. Eaton was already. There was already this weird thing with Eaton where he had great defensive numbers in left and terrible in center. So it just makes it easy, especially after that worth miss. Oh, my gosh. Do you see that other worth miss that happened in the regular season when he was just standing there and the ball went over his head? Dude, there's a really funny clip. Did, did you see the clip that. of him where he stare, looks into the TV, basically? It, it No. Have you seen this one that's like a EDM remix and like all psychedelic? <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. So yeah, that one, and he does like the fake out, and then just like it goes way over his head. He's gone. Victor Robles, uh, as Justin brought up earlier when he and I were talking about this, uh, obviously Victor Robles is kind of looming, and if he forces his way in, I think it'll be at the expense of Taylor, barring an injury. But again, 
432 plate appearances, and he went 19-17. Taylor doesn't need a quote-unquote full season. He doesn't need 550 plate appearances to give you a lot of fantasy value. And he hit 271. If you're concerned because of the big strikeout rate, I get it. Bring that back down to, say, 245. Okay. I'm still fine with that, though, if I'm getting 19-17 on the homers and stolen bases from Taylor. At the cost, I love Kiermaier, and he's a guy I was in on this year. I was I was expecting a big breakout, and I almost counted up as a win in, in terms of my thought process because he went 15 homers, 16 stolen bases in 98 games. And if he'd played a full season, I think I would have gotten the breakout I was looking for. Um, but you mentioned the health. This is now two years in a row where it's 414 plate appearances, 421. And if he's going to cost 200 picks more than Taylor, yeah, I mean, even with a boost – you bring up Taylor to what, 250? Is he going to go that much higher than that if we start yeah. at 369? I got to take but Taylor. It also, you know, one last thing uh, 432 plate appearances for Taylor this year in a season where he didn't have a job to start the year. And Kiermeyer has only once surpassed 432 plate appearances. And in that season, he hit 10 homers and stole 18 bases. So that batting average uh, boost would not have made him a better player. So if you compare Kiermaier's best season at 535 plate appearances, best season in terms of plate appearances at least, to with a season Taylor just had, uh, you would take Taylor. Exactly. And so that's who I'm taking. Here's a question for you guys, though, because the the Nationals have, between Weeders and uh, Worth coming off the books – uh, about $32 million uh, available now. Don't you think Taylor's spot would be the one spot they'd look to upgrade? I mean, it's either that or, there or catcher. No, I think catcher or it's going to be in the bullpen. It has to be in the bullpen. Oh, I bet they buy a. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think yeah, you got to figure. Right. I, I don't know exactly what's available. Maybe it's trading for somebody who's expensive and you use the money that way. I think because Taylor has. Um, the quality defense that can definitely hang out there, even if his even if his bat isn't elite, and then Robles looming as we talked about. I, I really think that that money's much better spent elsewhere, particularly the bullpen or catcher, as you mentioned. Yeah, and I and I think in terms of center fielders, I think there's going to be a lot of people who actually want center fielders because it keeps coming up in my chats. It's like the Mets want a center fielder. Um, who else wants a center fielder? I know there's more teams that want center fielders. I mean, I don't think the Tigers are going to go buy one, but they need one. Giants. Oh, wait. Giants uh, desperately need one. I was just saying. Uh, the, the Indians, I guess they have Zimmer. Oh, but, yeah. But, yeah, but the Giants need a center fielder. The Giants totally need a center fielder. So that's already two teams. Uh, you know, let's give the Indians Zimmer and say they, they don't they don't spend on it. But they could spend on a center fielder and, and move Zimmer around or whatever. But exactly. there's two teams that want a center fielder and that could spend money. That's already more then there are good center fielders on the market. Lorenzo Cain is the only center that's fielder it. on the market. There's yep. Jared, Gerard Dyson otherwise, and that's not somebody that you've paid a lot of money for. That's a, that's somebody you hope you don't spend a lot of money for, um, and you go get a bat somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. Um, McCutcheon has a $15 million club option. That's going to be stupid. They're going to that up. They could trade him, so I guess there could be a trade, but the Nationals have kind of traded for bullpen help all this time, so it's not like they're, other than Robles, it's not like they have the best uh, the best farm system. So, you know, 
you know, going for them for them doing something at center means Lorenzo Kane. I, I don't think they're 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 the type of team that would go get Gerard Dyson. They have Michael Taylor and Adam Eaton. Exactly. So um, I doubt, and I think Lorenzo Kane is going to be the Giants and Mets are kind of you know going to be talking to them to him, and it's going to be it's kind of sad because it's it's the two types of teams. It's the two teams that shouldn't sign a guy like that because <laughs> they really need like athleticism, and he's going to be like thirty something and. Uh, he's gonna be a back a bad center fielder in like two or three years probably, but anyway, <laughs> that's that's how it goes when you're on the free agent market. Any case, yeah. Uh, when it comes to closer, um, Chapman, right? Wade Davis. No, not Chapman. Interesting. I thought Chapman was a free. Oh, they just signed him. He was just signed. Uh, yeah, Wade Davis is available. Davis is available. Greg, Greg Holland's fifteen million dollar player option is yeah. not a guarantee to get picked no. up. No, he 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 declined it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Player option. Hello. So you got Greg Holland, Wade Davis. Yeah, I think they would. Uh, they'd go out to that trough there. They could bring Drew Storen back. Fix your team. You're welcome, Washington. Eight a couple guys. Yeah, they could do a couple guys. And you know what? It's not crazy for them to go starting pitching either. Exactly. Uh, because uh, they'll have the money to spend. It's almost like if you have the money to spend, you're going to spend it. And well, the, the, here's the real dark secret is the um, the market isn't that rich. So, yeah, no, it's think, a pretty bad market this year. Yeah, we'll see how teams that Maybe have money. Spread it out. I mean, $30 million, you could spread that out. You could get a relief. You could get two relievers and Wellington Castillo. And again, you can trade for somebody on a team Jonathan that's McCoy. on the lower end that costs a little bit of money. Matt and, Wieters. And use the money that way. Matt Wieters cost them games. He's oh, a dude. terrible he, framer. He sucks. He's really bad defensively. He's a terrible hitter, too. So what the hell? What's the point? He's involved in like all those plays that were so bizarre. He's yeah. not good. Not very good. That's my that's my analysis. Hashtag analysis. Not I think good. I'd go after Lucroy, man, and, uh, and try to get a bounce back. You know, at least he'd be I, a good I friend. agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I like that idea. Okay, right, that's let's our move next on to the next one. Lucroy, uh, Davis, and Reed. I like that. I like that. Leave a little uh, money. Leave a little money in your pocket for the season when you're good. Then you can go trade for McCutcheon in season or something. And I don't know is is Doolittle a free agent? Because if so, keeping him would obviously be cheap. No. Okay. Okay. They have him for longer. Okay. Great. Great. Because mm-hmm. obviously he isn't either. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So they have both of them starting. That's good. You need more than two though. That like getting both of them was great, but when you're starting from zero. Right. Maybe this is the year they finally they finally go in all in on, uh, you know Davis kind of worries me a little bit though. Like he could get injured next year. I agree. I, I would want to look further. You just saw him pitch like three innings. You know what? Let's uh, let's let's keep making the plan here. Um, I want them to trade for Calvin Herrera and get a rebound out of him. I, I think I like him better than Wade Davis in. In Washington, but we're not here to rebuild the Nets. We got to move right. on to our next one. We chose Eddie Taylor. Rosario. Yeah, we chose Taylor because of the cost. If they if those costs even up, I think we both start switching to Kiermaier. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Next up, Eddie Rosario against Nick Castellanos. This Eddie Rosario. Uh, by the way, sorry, Eddie Rosario drafting around 182 in in Justin's drafts. Castellanos 146. This is what's difficult for me. Eddie Rosario got popped for steroids. He did. And 
coming up, there was, you know, this is this is an athletic guy who has a lot of movement in his swing, a lot of pre-movement, uh, pre-swing movement. He's very handsy. I remember we did a, a breakdown at uh, Arizona Fall League. We're going there in a couple of weeks. First pitch, Arizona. You should he guys there. come. We, we saw him. And we saw Rosario, and I remember asking a scout specifically, look, I see a little bit of handsy stuff with Mookie Betts, and I see a little bit of handsy stuff with Eddie Rosario, and you're telling me that you don't like what Eddie Rosario does, and you do like what Mookie Betts does. And um, one thing that he, he said that was that Betts's was his hands were live, and somehow um, Rosario's were pre-taped. Speak. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're dead. Uh, no, uh, just uh, he, it was basically like scout speak for, you know, I like this one. I don't like this one. Um, there is a certain rawness to Rosario's game. One way that you can see it is nine stolen bases out of 17 attempts. Um, career 25 out of 50 out of 41. So, yeah. Um, and in the minors, he was 75 for 116. Yeah. He yeah, just kind of so goes. I think another team would be like, please stop doing that. And, Why did you uh, do that, Eddie? I don't know. I thought <laughs> I could get there. Okay, well, <laughs> no. There was actually already a guy on second. Why did you do that? <laughs> career huh, career know. 4% walk rate. Um, you know, so all those things just make me really nervous. It's kind of hard to, like, uh, to say why. I mean, there's an athletic guy, and he, yes, he has this you know, handsy stuff going on, but he obviously was good this year and he made a lot of contact and, you know, maybe this is just who he is and, you know, maybe he's just on something we can't test for anymore. Um, on the other hand, Nick Castellanos makes me nervous for different reasons. Castellanos is somebody that StatCast has loved forever. He's been an ex, ex-Woba king. Um, and every year they've said he should be, he should hit better than he did. And, um, you know, part of that is because the Detroit gun is hot. That's definitely, I think that was kind of discovered this year for sure because they were popping up so often with these outlying numbers. And it's like, okay, Everybody. something's a little bit much here. Not tell me Miguel Cabrera under, under, uh, underachieved two, last year. Yeah, with two herniated discs. I yeah. mean, he was hurt. He, he was uh, not himself at all. And that was the issue. So, I would say this. I don't think there's any upside left for Cassianos. You think he had his peak year? I I just don't. I think there might be in real life because they're thinking about playing an outfield and. Yeah, for Candelario to play third. Yeah, there's been there's always been this idea that he could play better at a different position because Mm -hmm. or that he could he's better at third than people think he is or he could improve at third. But this year was you know kind of the nail in the coffin at third a little bit because it was a bad year again and he it he was improving and then it just got real bad again so um i don't know you know 3b outfield hitting 270 with 25 homers sure uh you know then you the other choice is an outfielder that would steal more bases except he's re- you know you can't really depend on that if he's such a bad base stealer and then can you defend on Eddie Rosario to hit 25 homers next year? I think it's a very interesting decision here. I'm biased against both. I did my job then. I made it difficult. <laughs> what would you pick? 
Oh, man, I didn't think you were going to ask that. I thought I was going to get away <laughs> scot-free here. Uh, you know, I, I actually think I actually think I do lean Rosario a little bit. I'm a little bit, you know, I see that he is a terrible base stealer, but he's still putting something up in the category. And, you know, they're the same age. I mean, it, it we're really on the soft factors because it's difficult to split them up. Otherwise, lots uh, of similarities here, even with some of their – uh, you know, when, when you get to the bottom line, at least. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the guy who's actually g- going to run a little bit. Um, I don't know if the if the power is going to stick. Is not going to run. <laughs> He's not going to run at all. He is embarrassingly slow. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that is remarkably slow. And it's not like Cassianos has multiple 20 homer seasons either, although he did it at 18 last year in 110 games. So you could probably credit him for a 20 homer season uh, if he'd even gotten, you know, anywhere near a reasonable amount of, of you know, 500 plate appearances or whatever. Um, but yeah, I know he, ha- I know he had four stolen bases last year. He was four for nine. Stop. He's seven for 18 in his career on the basis. Cassiano says, so Rosario's the, the better threat, even though he's flawed. I'm leaning Rosario. Whoa, check this out. His expected results at Rosario's based on his launch angles and exit velocity. 246. 272, 398. Holy crap. That's not so good. How do you, okay, how does that happen then? How do you go 293, 28, 507? That is weird too because his home park is a is a power suppressor. That, that I mean, that doesn't add up. Like that's, that's, that's a wide chasm. Okay. I think I'm beginning to see something here. Let me see here. And you mentioned the home park, by the way, because he raked at home 332, 371, 632 with 20 of his 27 homers for Eddie Rosario. Wow. I was going to say, oh, let me see. Can I do home? I can't do home. While you're looking that up, by the way, he only had one bad month. It was April when he had a 660 OPS. Then he was 810 or better throughout the rest of the year with only one gaudy BABIP of 388 in July. I mean, I just see like a consistent producer i know months are arbitrary but he was just like solid um and then really blasted off the last two months when he hit uh 16 of the homers for man he's a spray hitter too like he he uh he hit home runs to all fields he hit him down the line he's not a see i i like a guy that hits to all fields with power yeah i mean that's real power sort of this is surprising i don't something doesn't square here I was going to say maybe he's a Max Kepler situation. Max Kepler has bad X stats, and he does not hit the ball hard. But Max Kepler has maybe perfected the opposite of Brian Dozier, where he's the left-handed guy, and he just pulls it straight down the line. So all of Max Kepler's home runs are right down the line in right field, and he avoids the center of the field for uh, power hits. And Brian Dozier is the opposite. As a right-hander, he hits all of his home runs down the line and avoids going oppo or center uh, with his with fly balls. So, uh, and Dozier told me that he thinks that home parks do change the way you think about things. Uh, Kepler didn't want to get boxed up like that, but uh, I, I think that Kepler is doing that. But here's Rosario just hitting the ball hard everywhere. So I'm a little surprised by that X stats thing. It's it's kind of funny too because the X stats for Cassianos are are so um, unreliable in a way. Um, yeah, because we just don't know what to do. I might I might actually... Uh, you know what I told you at the top of the show? 
What? Fade them all. Yeah, you did say that. I kind of hate the whole the list. players today. <laughs> yep. You looked at the whole list, and you said, we got two more coming with pitchers. And you're like, ah, fade them all. Fade I all eight guys. I see I see a higher floor for Castellanos, and um, that might be meaningful fair. to me. So I might I might take Castellanos here. I think I think that that your experience uh, pushes you there too because um, you and I actually I'm not just saying you but play generally deeper leagues, so you often refer to floor and I think it is a big deal because when you're playing in like AL only like labor, um, and I had I had Castellanos two years ago in labor, um, hoping for more than two eighty five eighteen, but uh, I don't think I paid for much more than that, so I was okay with him. And then I had Eddie Rosario for one buck in labor last year. So I'm not, you know, every play, like we say, every player has its price. Exactly. But if they're, if they're both going to be like $15 players in labor next year, uh, I might go with Castellanos, play him at third, have a nice uh, Kyle Seeger type season for 15 yeah. bucks, you know? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can get behind that. Um, they are very close, and I think they'll continue to be close. Closely drafted Eddie Rosario, Nick Castellanos. You guys can let us know, obviously, when we do these, by the way, in the comments of the podcast post or on Twitter, who you prefer, especially if you prefer someone aggressively over where, where we pick them. Um, for other hosts. <laughs> they're like, I prefer when Justin talks <laughs> over both of you guys. Well, then go listen to his show. <laughs> All right, David Price going 138. Gio Gonzalez going around 198. He's only gone in three of the four drafts so far, Gio has. So who do you like better between those two lefties, David Price or Gio Gonzalez? David Price. I think I might own David Price this year. I might too for the first time in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, everyone's going to think – I think everyone's going to read too much into the relief appearances um, and forget just that he was injured and it was kind of – what they had to do, you know? Yeah, because there wasn't enough time to really ramp them back up. That was the yeah. best deployment. Plus, they didn't have a great bridge to Kimbrel. Yeah, so but they really but worked wasn't in a lot like, of ways. They didn't look at David Price and say, you know, the best way to use a healthy David Price for like, you know, three innings over five. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, it was like they were forced into it. He's and, been generally healthy, and he didn't, he didn't have surgery. Did he have surgery? No, I think he has shoot surgery. Yeah, and I that's think that's good. I'm I'm okay with that. Plus, if, you, if the, you look, I mean, the skills were still solid in the 74 and two thirds innings. Nine point two strikeouts, two point nine walks. He did have a homer per nine, but that was actually down from one two last year. And seven point eight hits was back in line with his 2015. So, you know, three thirty eight and one nineteen on the ERA and WHIP for David Price. Like, can we stop writing his obituary as a as a you know top pitcher? That, and that price is – you're buying him almost as a three, right? I think I, – I That's think a, that's a that's three, a four. Very fair price at 138. I have him ranked uh, 26th, yeah. and that's – you know. If I can buy him after, after it's triple-digit picks, I'm going to buy in a second because what I'd be basically doing is buying a borderline one at a three price is how exactly. I would think of it. And that – you need that. Like you need guys – Beyond your aces to emerge to really compete with pitching. You I mean, need to winners find one usually off the have, wire. Winners usually have got two guys that look like aces. 
Exactly. They get their stud that they drafted, and then a Robbie Ray pops up, or they got Ray, Ray and Severino, so it made up for the fact that they drafted Syndergaard, something like that. Like you, you need two horses, so you you can always you can sometimes get the horse that's the obvious, but then you need that emergence. And I've found Price too expensive the past two seasons. Well, this year actually it was different because he was going to start on the DL, but I just wasn't messing with it. Um, but this first year in Boston, I was like, ah, I want to see what's what. But now I think the price is going to come down, and I'm going to be I'm going to be interested. I'm definitely picking him of the two. But we do have to talk about Gio. He did have a good season. Um, I know that he, you know, outdid his his component numbers. But I, I you know, I watched a, a decent number of his starts this year. I know he had a, a, a one run split, two ninety six ERA, three ninety three FIP, and because you know he was two point four on the strikeout to walk ratio, and it was really a lot of hit suppression. He pitched really well, though. I, I, I think he's getting like a little bit too far of the uh, he was just lucky sort of deal. He pitched really well, and he avoided too he many was, blowups. But, he was fastballs of his career too, which I think is relevant here. I mean, he's throwing more of the softer things that get soft contact. So you know, we could see next year a return to thirty percent curveballs from him. We could have we could basically have him 30% curveballs, 20% changeups and 50% fastballs. It wouldn't be that weird at all. That would be kind of where he's going. He just so, seems like a solid mid-rotation option. Yeah, but that said, you know, looking at where you put him, uh you have him 38 uh behind him, Michael Fulmer, I'd probably take Fulmer, I'd take Castillo, I'd take Gray. I'm not sure about Pomerantz and Samarja. Uh, Godly, I'd, I'd look really hard at, but I might take Godly over him. So I'd probably have Gio um, ahead of like Salazar Manaya because that'd be a really interesting pairing for me at the back end of my rotation. Get a Gio that I think will be there, hopefully, and then get a Salazar Manaya that could could be better or could be a dropper. Um, but I would have Gio lower. That's fair. Uh, the Fulmer one specifically was, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for info. Yeah, like that's that's, that's a power. holding place for him right now. If he comes in to spring and he looks like himself, I'm going to elevate Fulmer. I, I still believe there's more strikeout stuff there. I know folks are backing off of him um, with the injury and with the continued low strikeouts. I, just, I watch a guy and that stuff has more strikeouts, but he doesn't go for them. I'm not saying that he's going to all of a sudden change and go for them, but I think sometimes as guys mature, the strikeouts sort of come without even trying. All of a sudden, as you refine your stuff and you go from one plus pitch to two to, you know, two and a half sort of like where that third one kind of comes in and out, you just start to get a lot more strikeouts. And I really wanted to be cautious on guys like Castillo and Weaver. I'm really in on both, but I, I, I need some more time. So, so to put, the list out in October, I had to go a little yeah. bit cautious on those guys, do my research, and then kind of decide where I am at uh, with them in the uh, – I think you always want a little bit – I mean, that's the good thing is we're not drafting now because you always want a little bit of of rehab information on these guys. Yeah. Sometimes this, the information, the early information is meaningful. I mean, it, it has to – most of the time you hear, oh, it went great, I'm feeling great. The minute you don't hear that – you know, That's what's scary. Yeah. He was shut down. He had a little throwing session and he didn't make it. You know, that, yeah, yeah, those ones are, are definitely scary. That's sort but of yeah. But Smiley, right? Oh, Smiley man. kept having these things where you're like, 
when's Smiley coming back? What's going on with Smiley? And I was always like, oh, it doesn't feel right. Oh, pushed. Down again. Yeah, pushed. And they're pushing it here. And, and now they're sudden, pushing it here. Didn't get like, did he pitch this year at all? Uh, I don't remember. So I'm so out on Smiley. I think he had like five innings. No, he didn't even pitch at all. Didn't even pitch. 175 innings last year, zero this year. Also, is this a WBC year? There is, I think. No, it was last, It was this past season. Okay, good. Good because that I'm fading every pitcher in the WBC next time it happens. Oh yeah, me too. As much as I love it, I'm out on it for fantasy. Yeah. And what happened was the worst is it made me interested in guys. I was like, ooh, watching them in March. Oh, look at Lugo, ninety-five. Let me get, Lugo, let me get that Seth Lugo. Yeah. Fart noise. Thanks, Mets. All right, last one. A couple of Dannys. Danny Duffy at 127, Danny Salazar at 112. Peaches and green for Danny Salazar. Um, this is what I fear is true for Danny Salazar. I'm not sure. He had such crazy good strikeout and swinging strike rates that maybe I'm wrong. But I get sort of a Matt Harvey feeling from him. Ouch, that's rude. Well, here's something I think happened with Matt Harvey. Because everyone's like, well... You know, he came back and he was still sitting 94. 94 is still pretty good. What the heck, you know? And I think when you don't have good command and you throw 96, 97, it doesn't matter that you don't have good command, you know? It kind of uh, pushes through the crappy command. Right. What might separate him is that maybe Salazar's split change is better than any secondary pitch that Harvey throws. So maybe even a reduced Salazar will get more whiffs because he has a better pitch. Like maybe in retrospect, when we look, we thought Harvey's breaking ball was great and we thought his changeup was really good. But now we're sort of like, was it as good as we thought it was or was it all set up by that massive fastball? Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Salazar, though, really struggle on the way up or down based on his fastball velocity. You know what I mean? Like, he was really bad, and then he came back, and he was healthy, and his fastball velocity was good, and he was good. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I get this feeling that, like, one or two ticks for Salazar is a big deal. And I think I, that and just makes me super nervous. The tough part is knowing the guys for which that's true. And maybe it's all of them, but but you see some lose a couple ticks, and, and they, they adjust. They can, Doesn't they feel can that still way for work with it. Yeah, exactly. And and so it, I think it is a case-by-case thing. And I, I tend to agree with you that Salazar is one of those guys. And it just seems it just seems that any notion of a, I don't know, well, certainly a 200-inning season, but even like a 180-inning season yeah. is is foolish with Danny Salazar. I know he has a buck 85 back in 15. I think that's going to stand as his high when we look back on it. I mean, um, the- he doesn't even really get close. Okay, 2013, he threw 140 innings. That's his second best season. Jeez. Well, no, he had 170 in in 2014 between majors. And oh minors. yeah, and that's triple A stint. Okay, so two times over 170, two times at 140, and he's been pitching for 10 years. Not great, Bob. Not great. No, that is not great. Uh, Duffy, I will say you know, this. Duffy has injury concerns of his own. I mean, he's he Certainly. hasn't been super healthy. And, and keep uh, in mind the the way we're going. You know, I mentioned earlier with hitters about not playing full seasons. 
We're going the same way with pitchers where we don't have as many 200 inning guys or even 180 inning guys so that it, it takes a little bit of the sting away from guys like this that um, Duffy who are, or excuse me like Salazar who are going to be great when they pitch for the most part but not going to pitch a ton. Paxton, Rich Hill, you know, we saw people yeah. were really all in on Rich Hill this year, even knowing that they were probably going to get 125 innings. Like I think Salazar could be that guy. It just depends how hurt he, like how much the injuries that he invariably suffers impact those starts around the injuries, if that makes sense. Like if there's a two inning eight earned right before he goes on the DL, obviously that really messes things up if it's something where he leaves in the second inning he was pitching all right but he had that tweak and now he's going to miss two weeks you know i think those are almost the determining factor of where his era is going to land yeah yeah and it like when you're talking i was like that feels like a tier you know like a there's a yeah. new tier now there's like the ace a one or two tier where like those Colors. guys might actually pitch 180 and then there's a tier of guys who are aces but might only pitch 140 I think McCullers and Richards get in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Alex um, Wood certainly uh, looked like that this year. I'll admit to some bias. I've interviewed both guys, Salazar and Duffy, and okay. uh, Duffy really impressed me. Duffy was – and I don't know – I'm not saying Salazar didn't. Uh, he Salazar told me some interesting things about taking a long time to come back from Tommy John and how Tommy John changed his, his change up. Um, and, and, you know, made it better and this and that, uh, both were, were good interviews, but there was something about Duffy, like talking about each of his pitches and developing each of his pitches. Like the, I, I never got the feeling from Duffy. Like when Duffy first came up, I was like, why does this go th- the guys throw 95 and all his pitches do badly by whiffs and grounders? Um, and that was true for a while, but since then, uh, he stopped throwing his curveball and started throwing a slider. And he admitted to me that the curveball just makes him nervous because that's when his ligament popped. Ah, that is interesting. But, but you know, more and more years you get away from that, maybe you start bringing the curveball back. Now, let's say, you know, he's only 92.5 next year. Uh, but he starts throwing the curveball 4 or 5%, right? Now you've got fastball slider curveball and the curveball used to be amazing the curveball used to be by looks at least was great so you've got fastball slider curve and this changeup that's finally good um that he you know sort of developed uh last year now you got a four pitch pitcher and salazar still feels like a two pitch pitcher so uh i'm gonna trust the guy with more pitches I think Duffy, even though he was pretty wild in terms of where the zone was, I, I, I got a better feeling about him in terms of command. He hasn't had the same home run problems, the same, you know, dick shot problems. So um, Salazar loves that. Loves yeah, he, piping he loves that 95. Middle, middle. Right, right middle, middle, and saying, here, hit it. And then, oh, you hit it. Dang it, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you were going to do that. I was hoping, no. I said hit it, but I didn't really want you to. I was trying to do like a tough thing. But then you went 450 the other way, so I'm kind of kind of ticked now. That's well. One that's thing that's fun. interesting is that uh, Duffy's it's all hand in hand, but Duffy's walk rate really went uh, down when he got his swing rate up. So I mean that's obviously, you know, hand in hand, and it's hard to know exactly what he did. But there's something I just talked to. And this is an interesting uh, way to sort of shut it down. Is Adam Adovino was talking about his bad year this year, and I haven't yet written it up. But Adovino said. 
you know, when I was nasty last year, uh, everyone came to the plate saying, I've got to attack early because if I get to 0-2, he's going to throw that Frisbee and I'll be done, right? Mm -hmm. So this year, he starts having a little trouble. He says, all of a sudden, it's like a, a switch flipped. And they were coming to the plate saying, dude can't find the plate. All I have to do is sit here uh, until it's a good count for me, right? Uh, and then I'll get a fastball and I'll smoke it. So there's this, there's a switch that flips, right? And I think that switch has flipped for Duffy. People think they have to be aggressive because they don't want to see the slider and the change. You know what I mean? So that puts them in a swinging mode. So all of a sudden, if he's got them in a swinging mode, he can he knows they want to swing. He can do different things, right? So he's in he's in the leader in the leadership position. Whereas Salazar, when he comes out there right now, I'm sure everybody's saying, "Yo, you know, I'm gonna yeah. wait till I see middle middle." <laughs> it's coming. He's gonna challenge me middle <laughs> so, middle. So yeah, so, I I I made my pick as well. Very clearly, Duffy. He was 32nd, whereas Salazar was 47th. And I'll pay the um, round. Yeah, I will. I'll I'll pay I'll pay the extra cost here. Now I'm not I'm not averse to actually getting both in a situation since they are if they are that far apart in a draft. Really and, high upside, you know, uh, three four type situation for you. Exactly, and and I'm I'm not against something like that, kind of betting on both and hoping that one really really brings home the bacon. But uh, if I'm only going one, it's definitely Duffy. Mm-hmm. All right, you know that's going to wrap us up uh, in the week on the spooky Friday the 13th. I'm going to go head out to the ACL Music Festival and watch oh, uh, an artist named Jay's. Sweet. Uh, he's re- he's married to somebody named Bay once. So don't know anything about either of them. We were supposed to be October was supposed to sponsor a, a festival called Sound on Sound um, that's coming up uh, that plays at the Renfest area by Austin. Oh really? And, and it didn't happen. It it got canceled because of terrorism concerns after Las Vegas. Oh damn! Is yours outdoors? It is. Um, there's a, there's apparently like a like people like insurers and and organizers well, are nervous, but the, the park that it's listed or not listed the park where it's at. I mean, thankful. I'm, I'm not trying to be like weird about it. like it doesn't really offer any spots to. I know act that you awfulness think like that. Yeah. But even yeah. this, this Renfest one is like, you know, it's out in the forest. What the hell are they thinking? I don't know. Yeah. Like this is a pretty wide open park. Zilker park, really popular place. This is, this is a, an I think Austin staple of your life, man. I think that if they did talk about it, then that was where they wound up where they somebody said, Hey, should we cancel it? And they said, no, 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 we're not. This is an Austin institution. We're going through with it. Weekend one right. was last sound weekend. Sound was in its second year, so maybe didn't have that that feeling. That's, that's probably yeah. That's probably what was the deciding factor. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I can see Chance the Rapper tomorrow. That's really what I'm looking forward awesome. to. Um, so I better get going, and uh, I'll talk to you, gents, next week. Thanks for producing, Justin and Eno. Take care. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs>